Shay Robottom. I started this podcast to share my untold story, my truth, and my journey of healing so I can show others it's safe to do the same. We're going to learn and heal together. This show is about rigorous honesty for you, for me, for the world. This is the Shay Robottom Show, and this is my story. Let's begin. Hello, and welcome back to the Shea Robottom Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. It has been a very spiritual week for me. As I've launched this, I have received so much love and support. I am getting blown up with messages, clients, people joining the Heal Tribe community. And I just wanted to say thank you to those of you who've already been tuning in. This is just the start. And now I'm going to be bringing on guests, different um, professionals in the mental health and healing space to talk about what we can do about the narcissism epidemic plaguing our society and how we can begin to heal. So I'm really honored to bring on today's guest, my good friend and ex-life coach, Yitz Epstein. So Yitz is an expert in understanding narcissism. That's actually how I originally found him was on his podcast, Narcissism Recovery Podcast, which I highly recommend. If you like this show, you will love his. And I had reached out to hire him for some coaching as I was in my recovery. So uh, it's a funny story of how we met. We actually get into that on today's episode. We talk a lot about narcissistic parenting, how to identify narcissism, shame, and we do talk about the sex issue plaguing our society and why there is so much sexual shame and dysfunction in our culture. So it's a really awesome jam-packed episode. Thank you for tuning in. Please welcome my good friend, epic healer, Yitz Epstein. Yitz Epstein on the show, not to be confused with Jeffrey Epstein, y'all. We are not raping kids here. We are stopping the rape of kids here with my good friend and fellow associate light worker in the healing and narcissistic abuse recovery space, Yitz Epstein. Welcome to the show. Shay, thank you so very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. I hope I didn't offend you with the Jeffrey Epstein joke. I not just, at all. I, not I, at I had all. to go there. We both have... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have we have to have that dark humor, you know, to survive and all. <laughs> so much, so much. I had to play into the play into the polarities. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, obviously, I know a lot of your personal journey, being that we got introduced right when I was going through a breakup with a narcissist, and thank God for that because your coaching um, and all of your um, wisdom around the subject really helped me get through it. But Tell us a little bit more about your background, your family, and how you got into the studies of narcissistic family models and narcissism and narcissistic abuse in the first place. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I, I didn't actually find out about narcissism until a couple of years ago, about two years ago. And when I did, it answered a lot of questions uh, about the pain that I had been enduring, a lot of mental illness. Uh, years of just not having a clue as to what the cause of my pain was, mm -hmm. uh, really trying to connect to people who, who lacked empathy. Uh, growing up early on, I was raised in a home that was extremely religious. Right. And our value and what, system- what religion for the viewers? Yeah, of course. Orth Orthodox Jewish. Mm -hmm. uh, we were, we were uh, everything was very strict. Everything was very 
uh, is intense, you know, follow the rules, things have to be by the book, which, you know, I appreciated that. I like, I like the fact, I think the morals and the ethics and the, and the laws were very, uh, were real. And I appreciated that everyone really uh, was, was trying to do the right thing. Uh, that's what I think makes this so troubling is, is that in the process of trying to uh, follow the 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 guidance of of the of the of the group. Uh, there was just a lot of repression, a lot of uh, limiting of your ability to express your feelings and be authentic. Uh, and uh, in the process, you know, me being a sensitive little boy, uh, empathic. You know, I am an empath. I was very sensitive to the uh, to the energies and, and ultimately the lack of love and compassion between family members uh, and and you know the whole family uh, in general really took a toll on my mental health. I felt extremely disconnected from, from others. Um, I was raised with, uh, with six sisters. So a lot of, a lot of female energy and Woof, ultimately, yes, yes it's very intense and very, um, again, it was just a lot, a lacking of human connection, uh, which, which was really, really the core of what I think uh, my struggle was uh, continuously trying to figure out who I was. Uh, how did I, how could I fit in? How could I be enough for the people around me? How could I get, my emotional needs met of being, you know, enough and being loved, uh, and ultimately was not met. And what was left was me stru uh, struggling to regulate my emotions, to feel good enough about myself. Uh, and that, excuse me, that continued on into teenage years and well into adulthood. Uh, these are the things that I thought would end with adulthood. I thought, mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I get big, this will go away, right? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's when it all comes up. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You think that when you're a child, you think that when, I, when I'm an adult, I'm just going to go and, and do my thing and be free and, and never have to face these people right. again. But, uh, but it, that's not the truth. And the reality is that actually it gets worse because then you realize how you have to take responsibility for your life. Uh, and I tried to. I kept trying to take ownership of my, of my guilt, of my shame, of my total emotional and psychological chaos. And... Um, you know, I, I got myself into uh, several different relationships that kept crumbling, uh, and I could not figure out why. Uh, I, I like to think that I'm a pretty sensitive person, pretty empathic, pretty relational, but I just could not could not stay uh, connected to other people in a way that was healthy and 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 fulfilling. Uh, and again, just breakdown after breakdown, it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, well, let me let me go inward and let me explore myself and try to figure out what about me uh, is the common denominator between all these relationships that I am engaged in. And I found, you know, attachment traumas and family of origin trauma and the narcissistic family dynamic. And uh, man, it answered pretty much all my questions. Suddenly the veil of needing to blame myself and shame myself for everything was lifted. Uh, it really removed the, the, the self-abuse and the self-destructive tendencies to try to be perfect and be enough. Uh, and in that space of, of it's not all about, it's not all me. I was able to get the freedom to explore. I uh, went down the rabbit hole of narcissism and I discovered that there are so many people who are not in contact with this information, uh, information that now that I have uh, led to uh, me at the age of 30 being entirely, uh, for the most part, symptom-free. Uh, I, I am healthier and happier and more fulfilled than I've ever been. And I find it to be my duty to bring this information that I worked so hard to, to attain and ultimately to apply to my life to other people uh, so that they can, they can reach uh, optimal health. Amazing. I love it. And I love, I want to dig in a little more about how you healed because I know that you and I have this in common and we can share a little bit more on this episode about how like you and I met and just the, the deep connection that 
that happened with all of that and the divine timing of, of our souls finding one another. But um, I know a big part of your healing, it was a big part of my healing that contributed to me actually creating the space in the first place to heal, which I see a lot of people are never willing to do because it's painful, was the decision that you actually made to cut out your parents and your family completely. Um, when you and I met, it was like a, it was like a, like it was like a spiritual meeting because we were we'd both done it and that's very rare you know you meet a lot of friends who have toxic family members you don't meet a lot of friends who actually made like the the hard decision to cut cut the cord completely and go off the you know the beaten path on their own um so uh, can you walk through that a little bit i know for me it was a lot of tug and war it was a lot of like you know like not living in reality wanting to idealize them and see them differently uh what happened for you that was finally the turning point and like i do i always give you props for this dude because like you were raised orthodox jewish like that's like a strict like family is family and you don't do yeah. that. Like I wasn't raised <clears throat> yeah. religious. So I always say like you impress me more than me even because like I feel like it would have been a lot harder to break out of that sort of a family dynamic where you've got religion thrown in on top of it. So what was it? What was your final breaking point where you realized like, okay, these people are toxic. If I'm going to heal, I need to just do a, a complete 100% separation. Yeah, it's a good question. I appreciate the the props for it. it yeah, and the it's and the not an easy thing. And, and the loneliness, yeah. like, and the loneliness, like, how do you get through the loneliness sure. of that? And the like, oh, I'm uh, the doubt of like, am I really doing the right thing? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. I'll tell you, the loneliness is something that I've been dealing with my whole life. You know, the the abandonment, uh, the sense of sort of the uh, 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 the imposter syndrome, where I just absolutely felt like an outcast. So the the loneliness wasn't really even the most difficult part for me. Uh, to me, actually, that was a sort of a freedom. I kind of wanted to be left alone, you know, not having people demean and devalue me for, for being my, you know, human self. Uh, for me, the issue was, like you mentioned, uh, the the religious element, the, the cultural element of it, because uh, you're right, we do, you don't do that in where I'm, where I'm from. You just don't do it. It's, it's, it's capital uh, and so to speak. And, um, and basically, um, um, the, um, the decision to do it was out of a consciousness of, it's either I do it and I have a chance at emotional, psychological, spiritual survival, or I don't and I die. And, and when I mean, I say die, I don't mean necessarily physically, but I also don't mean not physically. You know, I, the way I see it is, is that if I would have kept holding on to these people, which by the way, I did whatever I possibly could to help them. You know what I mean? I, before I did cut them out, it wasn't in like, you know, I, I'm just not in the mood of dealing with this. I, I, I gave myself over to help these people. Uh, I do love them. I still do. It's not about that. It's just about right. um, a certain point in time I needed to uh, protect myself. So the decision to actually do it, once I did it, it was uh, it was a sort of, it was like a no, no brainer. Like I've reached my point where I have to make that choice and then I made it. Um, and, but then that being said, the decision, once I did make it, the decision wasn't really over. I had to deal with the, the onslaughts of the smear campaigns and the, and, and, the, and the, and the, and the, the, the psychic attacks and all the people coming after me and trying to take me down and trying to make me feel bad about my decision, trying to make me change my decision, the, the insidious emails under false names and messages and oh, just yeah. all the things to hold on to my, uh, to my conviction of doing this. Basically it's, it, it really was, it really was a difficult thing to do, but looking back, it was, it was the, one of the best decisions of my life because, um, you know, I don't, I'm not here to say that breaking up a family is the best idea. So, you know, I would say that if you can hold on to the bond and, and protect yourself, great. But in some instances, uh, to do it is is so extremely necessary. Uh, like in your case as well. So um, 
yeah, not an easy decision, but like, but it was a matter of emotional mental health and uh, did what I needed to do, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It's hard. Like, I try to be really careful with the advice I give people because blanket advice like can be very toxic. So every situation is different. Every family, <clears throat> excuse me, every family is different. But I gotta say, you know, there's that blind spot that people have for their family. And I have friends, I have friends going through right now where they're like complaining about their toxic moms and this and that. And I'm like, you know, trying to coach them. I'm like, do you think that just like some distance would be good? And a lot of them refuse to actually see that they still care so much about what their family thinks about them. I think that's the key. They like, they still want their family's validation and approval. And you can't always have, have growth. If you're trying to grow spiritually, if you're trying to raise yourself up in the map of consciousness, raise your vibration, raise your frequency, and your family is all of a very low frequency. I mean, it's just going to be a tug and war and a tug and war. And I do think a lot of people feel guilt. They feel like, well, why, why should I heal when my family's not coming with me? Almost like that survivor's guilt. But I had someone put it like this. They were like, actually, the best thing you can do for your family is cut them out, Shay, because that's healing for them. Because you just sticking around and continuing to condone their behavior, like, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you leaving will inevitably like result in them waking up and realizing like, you know what, things have been really fucked up here. But it's like, it's, it's, a, it's a chance at it. And you sticking around and continuing to condone the behavior over and over is actually not conducive to their healing. Actually, the best thing I think I could ever do for my parents' healing is just cut them out completely because maybe it will cause them to face themselves and face like, well, what did I do in my life to manifest a now adult daughter who doesn't want anything to do with me? Um, And I'm not saying that they'll get there because that takes a level of awareness that narcs narcs do not always have. But um, yeah, it's super important. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 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 this is not about them, actually. It's, it's mostly and really entirely about me. And, and maybe that seems selfish and narcissistic. But at the end of the day, I think every person is on their own personal journey. And every person has their own awakening to go through. So the decision to go no contact is mostly about myself, which might seem selfish or narcissistic. But in reality, uh, like you said, in order to, uh, if I stick around, and I'm just enabling the abuse in a sense, I'm actually just kind of playing into it and try to fight with them to not do this. Uh, they are not in the mood of changing. They're not interested in adjusting their behavioral patterns, relationship patterns, and understanding uh, themselves, self-reflecting, self-correcting, and healing. So therefore, me sticking around only takes me down. It definitely does, it, it doesn't influence them to heal. By walking away, uh, I'm sending a very strong message. And that message is, I refuse to be treated this way. I respect myself and love myself too much to let that happen. Uh, and my hopes are that uh, that you can be influenced too and kind of set the tone for the family. So it absolutely shakes things up, uh, which, uh, you know, for many people, they don't want to cause that dis- the disturbance. They want to go along with the peace. And I get that. I really do identify with that. I know that struggle very well. But at the end of the day, every single person is on their own journey. Every single person needs to uh, self-actualize by themselves, of course, with the assistance of others. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're, we're responsible for our own life. And therefore, if you feel like you cannot uh, hang out with people who are low vibrational because they're just not interested in healing, then you really have a responsibility and obligation to set that boundary. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And, and I, and I want to go into what you said also, because this is a huge part of narcissism mm-hmm. that I learned is like the term energy vampire narcissism is becoming a little more mainstream. People are starting to understand it. But it really is like a real thing where over time, I mean, it it can happen with parents to kids. It's very common in romantic relationships, friendships even. Um, 
where these people will deplete your energy, like literally yeah. deplete, like they can change you into a different human being. And if you listen to the first eight episodes of the show, you'll see how many times throughout my life I found myself depleted because I was, I was serving, you know, narcissistic relationship after narcissistic relationship, chasing that approval, chasing that unmet need, um, basically just repeating the trauma from my childhood because, well, A, I couldn't remember it and B, I just didn't understand it. So this, I want to get into like how we met a little bit because it's so funny. So, so you guys got to hear about how we met. So basically... I was uh, listening to a podcast. I, I just moved into my new apartment. I set a boundary with my ex, who I mentioned on the show, Jake. And um, I decided, you know what? I just need my own place. I literally told him, I remember saying the words, I feel like you suck my energy. You know, I was still in denial about him being like super toxic and a narcissist because I was so trauma bonded to him. But um, I did eventually muster up the courage to get my own place, which was really scary because I knew I was risking it all, but I, I, I could not take the energy depletion anymore. I was remembering all these childhood uh, abuse situations. I needed space. I needed healing. So this is week one of me moving into my new place. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm packing my apartment and I'm like, I want something productive to listen to. I want to listen to a podcast while I am unpacking in my new place. Um, and Jake wasn't around. He was, uh, it was a long story, but basically I was unpacking and I searched on Apple Podcasts. I literally just searched the keyword narcissism because I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm knee deep in the studies at this point. And your podcast came up, Narcissism, is it Narcissism Abuse Recovery? What's it called? Narcissism Recovery Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Narcissism Recovery mm -hmm. Podcast. Thank you. That's the one. So, so, <laughs> so Yitz, his podcast starts playing and I'm like, this is the dopest podcast I've ever heard in my life. Like I'd studied a lot about narcissism at this point, but the way you articulated it and the way that you were so intellectual, and I hope I'm okay going here on this show, but like it literally reminded me of my ex who I was still with at the time. Like the way that you intellectualized things and talked about things reminded me so much of Jake. I felt a connection to you. I was like, wow, this guy's like almost like a self-actualized Jake. Like, this is cool. And I kept listening to your show, kept listening to your show. And at the end, and here's another, here's a little marketing tip, which I will throw in on the, on the Shea Robottom show every now and then, and a little marketing ploy. At the end of every episode, you had a CTA, a call to action to reach out to you for coaching if you were someone who was recovering from narcissistic abuse. So after hearing your podcast over and over, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> hearing the CTA, over and over, I eventually was like, you know what? I'm just going to email this guy. Like, I think I want, I want to do the free consultation. I think I might hire him to deal with what's going on with my parents. And I emailed you. I remember that, yeah, I'm sure you remember. It's pivotal moment, pivotal moment for both of us. But I emailed you and the subject line was narcissistic power couple. And it was a very intimate email. I sent it from my personal email, but it still said Shea Robottom. I had like 80,000 followers at the time. I emailed you. I said, look, this is my situation. Um, dealing with recovering from my narcissist, narcissistically abusive parents. However, I'm also in a relationship with someone. I didn't say he was a narcissist, but I did, I did bring up to you, I remember in the email, I was like, I'm afraid that we're repeating the pattern. That's what I said. I had, I had enough self-awareness and enough uh, insight into my parents at this point that I was looking at me and I was looking at Jake and I was like, you know what? What if this is just as toxic? Like, what if we are the next narcissistic power couple because I also had to, you know, get real about some of my own narcissistic tendencies. And I emailed you that email. It was like super intimate, super personal. I was like, I want help. I want you to coach me and my partner. At the time, I was thinking you could help us both 
<laughs> not become narcissists, basically. Um, and this is what's so funny, you guys, is I was like starstruck over Yitz because I had been listening to his show so much. His voice was like an angel in my ear at this point. And he knew me because you followed me on LinkedIn. And I was, yeah, you know, I, I was, was starstruck by you. <laughs> and we were starstruck by yeah. each other. You called me right yeah. away. You called me right away. You're like, this is Yitz Estee. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the podcast guy. He's calling me. He's like, yeah, you're Shay Robottom. Like I, like I know who you are. I was like, oh fuck. I was like, you know me. I just sent this like intimate email. I'm like, oh God. And you're like, no, no, it's cool. Like I want to coach you. And like, I love your stuff. I was like, oh great. So that's how we met. But it was so funny because a few days after I actually hired Yitz to coach me, uh, that was when Jake dumped me. And that was when the whole affair and, you know, I found a woman who's hotter and better than you thing went down. I was shattered. I was like, I was shattered. But you said something to me super insightful. Well, you said a lot of insightful things. You really helped me through that breakup. Like, it was not a coincidence that God sent me your podcast like the week before Jake dumped me. And, but you said this to me and I want you to break down how you can actually see this in people because now I'm along the path of starting to see it in people too. Um, you said, Shay, from the moment I talked to you on the phone that day, I said to myself, someone is sucking the life out of this woman. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I do. And, I remember very and well. Now, yeah. And now <laughs> you've seen me go from that broken, codependent, like totally lost person to, uh, I mean, look at all the work I've done in just a year, which is totally possible, which is why I always tell people like healing can happen in an instant. I mean, it really can. Don't put the pressure on yourself, but like you can heal way quicker than you've been led to believe. And um, go into that a little bit. Like when it comes to depleting energy, what, what is the, what are the signs? What do you, if someone's listening and they have a girlfriend or they have a a sister and they're sensing that they're in a relationship with a really toxic energy vampire, what are the signs that you see in that person where you say like, Oh, someone's been sucking the life out of this person. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, absolutely. I was definitely able to sense that. And I, because I'm an empath, I'm very energetically sensitive. So I actually, in a sense, I take on the energy of the people around me. I'm very, I almost Ah. tap into that frequency uh, so when somebody comes in, uh, you know, reaches out for, for, for coaching, uh, I can essentially tell where they're holding, uh, in the, in the, in the frequency vibrations based on how they're making me feel. And therefore when, and also it's not just that there's a lot of different nuances, you know, people, uh, communicate different things, not necessarily with their words. I think it's like what 90% is, is really right. the way we talk, right. our speed, uh, the, the excitement in our voice, the flatness. Right. So I just can sense that you were, you were do just working really hard, pedaling away at life, and somebody was stealing your resources because uh. just the way you, the way the way you came across was like you are not a lazy person. You are always searching for answers, and uh, you just it was almost like uh, I felt your exhaustion. Yes. Um, so um, definitely, definitely can feel like somebody was again. There's the vampire, and and the, the, the weird thing about being in a uh, narcissistically abusive relationship or narcissistically abusive home is that. Is that the abuse is 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 I compare it to uh, to uh, carbon monoxide. You know, you don't see it, you don't taste it, smell it, mm-hmm. but it kills you, right? Yes. And so, if you're in a home that lacks love, there's a lack of empathy, there's a ton of shame, and nobody wants to talk about certain things. Everyone's in denial. The energy is enough. I could call it abuse by like an ambient abuse or abuse by attitude or abuse by intention. These things are not seen, but they really do take the toll on who you are and your energy. And that's why trying to explain somebody narcissistic abuse, I think it's probably why for you and many people, my podcast has been so beneficial. Uh, it's because it's like, there is nothing really there, but you seem to be able to explain the nothingness that's there. 
Um, and ultimately it, it's a craft that I've been working on my entire life. It's not a skill yes. that I recently picked up because my whole life I'm like looking for, why do I feel this way? Why is this person doing that? And if after certain, uh, you know, after watching people enough, after trying to get answers, uh, you find a way to, 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 to articulate them. But, um, yeah, yeah. it's, a uh, no, that's, that's, I love that because this is something that you've taught me a lot of too, because I was searching for answers with my family before I had access to the, 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 the really bad stuff, the really like obvious abuse. I was aware that like, there's some weird manipulation going on here. Like there's like, clearly like, it was like, I knew it was abuse, but it wasn't so overt and in my face at this time as a, as a teen and as an adult. Um, but I knew that something was off and this is what you helped me to learn about as well is like, you know, for anyone listening, who's like, I don't get it though. Like I wasn't hit. I don't remember being molested. Like my parents didn't hit me. You know what, what's the deal? Why am I messed up? This is what you need to understand is like, it's not always overt abuse. It's often hidden. Like it, it, it just because you weren't hit or you weren't touched sexually does not mean you weren't abused. And I think that that's so important for us to start understanding this shame-based parenting, this narcissistic parenting is in the shadows. It's not necessarily something, these parents can actually look like great parents on the surface. Like, oh, look, they, you know, they make good money. Their kids are go to Florida every year on vacation, whatever. It's like, so you helped me to really understand like, Shay, you, I think you said it once you were like, narcissistic parenting is a look. It's a look. It's like that, like that look of shame your mom gives you, or it's psychological yeah. abuse, or it's verbal abuse. But it's subtle, and you don't like really see that you're being manipulated. And the second aspect of that, which you also taught me, which it's really supported me, and I go on, I share this with my friends all the time, all the time, all the time. You said a lot of covert narcissists, meaning it's not obvious that they're an abuser. They're not outwardly angry. They're not violent, but. Uh, they're just as manipulated, uh, manipulative and actually even more dangerous in, in many cases because it's not obvious. And you said something to me about how a lot of times these, this, this personality type, 80% of the time, they come off as though they are actually very good people. They are loving. They, they are quote, quote unquote loving. They are giving. They are donating to the church. They're going and volunteering at the community food drive every month. They are doing all these things, doing all these things. But it's the 20% of, outside that 80% of like, oh, this is clearly such a great person. It's that 20% where they're giving you that look or they're, they're giving you that kind of psychological manipulation where you're like, I feel really like, like it's attacked by you suddenly or they're doing something shame-based in the 20%. You taught me a lot of people will justify the 20% by the 80% where they're like, but 80% of this time, this person is such a good person. I don't get it. And you were like, Shay, that's the real abuse, not the 20% where it's obvious they're abusive. It's the 80% where they're, they're literally creating this facade of an identity to manipulate so that 20% of the time they can get away with whatever they want because they know that the majority of the time, everyone in the community is going to know them as Bob, the amazing neighborly guy, and everyone's going to stand up for them. Um, so I think that's really important for people to understand. I think when we look at a lot of famous narcissists, people that have abused like uh, Bikram Yoga, for example, I, you could even say that R. Kelly is an example. Like these people, like 80% of the time are like doing amazing things. R. Kelly made beautiful music. Bikram Yoga really did heal a lot of people and change lives, but that's the disease. Like the 20%, now everyone defends them. Now everyone stands up for them because 80% of the time they're this hero and that's the real abuse. So thank you for that, by the way. It supported me a lot in my healing journey. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You want to go into that at all? Yeah. Yeah, well, my first thought, I mean, it's 
it's kind of like if you drink a, a you know a, a beverage with two percent poison you know you're still dying <laughs> so ah. the way i see this is like <laughs> you don't kind of die you which die we, which I we think, also do in the in the united states <laughs> all of our right. all of our food is two percent poison i think exactly I think exactly I think we just but, it, but it looks good yeah. and it tastes yeah. good so you know, we'll, get it, we'll get into the, no, food, the food supply and narcissism is a whole other episode. <laughs> the food industry yeah, and, yeah. The, and the profit, the greed, and oh, we don't really care if there's poison yeah. in this food. It's less expensive. And, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a whole other yeah. narcissism. Yeah. Once you start, once you understand narcissism, once you open your eyes to the concept, you start seeing it literally everywhere, but, um, uh, which is scary, you know what I mean? But, but, uh, you but know, we're changing comes, that. Yes, exactly. We're here that's to change the, the world. Yes. Yes. No question about it. Um, so, you know, it, it's, 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 there's a, there's the whole concept of the false self and the true self, you know, in childhood, children who are shamed, abused, mistreated, uh, neglected, uh, humiliated, are going to deny their own sense of self because they do not feel like this true authentic self is good enough. And they will yeah. oftentimes reject it. So they adopt a false self. And, and, you know, the way I see it is it's a false self. Once you're, once you're creating a false self, you can create the most stunning, the most, uh, you know, beautifully uh, articulate, a well-performed self. Oh, dude, you, can, yeah. you can create 17 yeah. identities. You can create a hundred while you're at a new for one new for each person. You know what I mean? So, yes, yes. So it, it's almost like you're shape-shifting as you go throughout life. And what ends up happening is, is that is that you become you become this concoction of the best version of what everyone else hopes you become. But within your who you are is riddled with shame. And what do you do with that shame? You need to dump it somewhere. You need to find a way to an outlet for it. And because your your family is usually the close ones, the ones who will you know have your back, uh, it's very easy to kind of just dump it on them. And uh, and ultimately, it creates that very confusing dynamics for children. I mean, it's just horrifying. The stuff that I'm hearing on a really daily basis are people who are like, I mean, you know, my dad or my mom's leader of the community. Everyone loves them. And I, if I were to come out with this abuse, they're they're all going to shame me, and then they'll just kind of trauma bond themselves to the, to, to the parent, just be, you know, going to denial, yes. um, trying to explain that and trying to help people through it. It's, it's, it's really, it's shattering because yeah. what you're doing is you're taking what they have come to believe is like you mentioned in your earlier episode, you know, coming to the realization that your dad did these things, uh, is so soul shattering, uh, for anyone who's ever had to, yeah. you know, that I, mean, I was, just, I was idealizing the fuck out of that man for years. I was yeah, like, Oh, my dad's yeah, cool though. Yeah. He's so, he's yeah. so big. I'm like, Oh my God. Cause you have yeah, to pick yeah, one or the other as a little kid, right. you have to pick one or the other. You can't like live in reality and see the objective truth of like, Oh, my parents are clearly not loving. Like you, you, you were the one who told me childhood is a hostage situation. So you have to idealize that yeah. parent as a little kid. And that's where the repression comes, comes in. And I'm going to have more people actually on this show um, who study repressed memories and the science behind it. Cause I, I think there's a whole other rabbit hole of misunderstanding of like how much kids actually do repress that I want to get into. But um, yeah, absolutely. I idealize my parents. And then as you grow up, you just keep that image of them. You just never, you never, a lot of people never actually uncover the reality of like, oh no, they were really toxic and I idealized them and I held them up only looking at their good qualities. I mean, I had a mom where it was like every single person I brought over to my house said to me, oh my God, your mom is so amazing. I wish my mom was like that. Yeah, and it would yeah. just leave, I would just be like, oh, just, <laughs> ah, because like she yeah. put on such a good show that no, like literally yeah. people would be like, oh, you're so lucky you have this mom. And I would just yeah. be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuming yeah, like a, you you have no idea yeah yeah it's 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 profoundly 
uh, uh, it creates a, a cognitive dissonance that is very, it, it really distorts perceptions and you carry that without throughout your life. And really to me, one of the saddest things, uh, truly a tragedy to watch uh, is pe are people who, uh, who do that. They defend their parents. I mean, tooth and nail, they intellectualize everything. They just cut off their emotions. They cannot handle the reality, the truth. And I, I feel for people like that. And, and you know, you can only you can tell them, you can try to explain to them. But if they're not ready to hear it, if they're not ready to to, to reach that rock bottom where they absolutely need to face that 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 truly terrifying reality that their parents have done these things, uh, then then you can't necessarily you can't really save them. You have to uh, you have to wait till they till they come to that conclusion themselves. But when they do reach that place. Uh, and they're absolutely forced to face the truth of what they've been through. It is an extremely powerful, uh, a powerful uh, place to be in, in when it comes to healing, because it's at that moment that their their reality uh, crumbles or their 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 illusion crumbles, and then they can finally face everything. Uh, and that really is uh, uh, what needs to happen if you're going to heal. You got to face the music. Yeah, no, I agree. The only way out is through that false self you mentioned. Woof. Boy, did Shea Robottom have this, quite the, like, literally the definition of false self. Like, I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to be a rapper. I changed my name. I was, like, all about, like, how can I just become, uh, how can I distract myself from my true self as much as possible? You know, I'm going right. to, like, uh, and, you know, it just, um, when you really start to realize how much you don't like yourself, your true self that yeah. is like where it's so so painful and that's why they that's why there's that whole saying about like oh narcissists can't heal or like you know they'll never change it's like it's just the more narcissistic someone is the more difficult it is for them to change because the more narcissism essentially means more more inability to face your true self and in order to heal right. you got to face that true self that, that exactly right and it's it's you know the way i see it is this is it's a continuum so the more the more out of touch you are with who you truly are and the more defended you are against your shame the more you will do things that are shameful uh the more and, and ultimately the more you'll deny your true authenticity and that's that to me is the tragedy of trauma uh, trauma you know we all go through painful experiences we all go through trauma i believe mm -hmm. uh, but yes. the, the, some people are so like you said so so identified uh, so terrified with facing the shame and facing themselves. Uh, and really, that is the pathway to healing. And it's not very complicated. You know, healing healing is pretty simple. I mean, it's just face yourself, heal your wounds. I mean, obviously, it's not easy. Right. But the, the, no, the recipe... Don't lie, to, don't lie to these people. <laughs> yeah. It's not simple. I will. I refuse to. <laughs> I actually, when people ask me, like, they tell me, you know, we have a 10-step system that we use, mind map therapy. And we tell, I say, oh, it's 10 sessions. But honestly speaking, this stuff is deep. And sometimes it takes you infinitely yeah. longer because you're facing decades of wounds right. and reinforcements of a belief system yes. locking you into this way of being and it's a brutal uh, shakeup to have to, to come out of yeah and it literally is like people people look at like learning new skills like let's say i want to learn how to edit video i'm gonna you know go on youtube study adobe premiere and i'm gonna every every day just put a little bit of time into like learning how to edit in adobe premiere you will actually learn how to edit in adobe premiere but we right. don't do that with our own patterning that we've been carrying from childhood like i tell people i'm like no it is a daily practice go in the mirror look at yourself in the eyes and say i love you oh 
do you know how many people come back to me and they're like, holy shit, that was hard. I'm like, yeah, but like, it's yeah. so simple. Like every single yeah. day you need to do that. Every single day you need to actively work to reprogram all that negative self-talk, all that, oh, I'm shameful. Oh, I did that. Oh, I'm not good enough. And, the, and like, it's an exercise. It's a muscle, just like going to the gym, just like learning Adobe Premiere. Like you have to work at it consistently. Um, and also just like remembering that healing is not a straight line. You know, I have, I have days that, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like I go backwards. You know, I have to look at the full spectrum of where I've come from to really always put in perspective how far I've come, but it can be, it can be like, you know, like a picture, like a, a little chart, but it goes like up and down. It's, it's overall going up, but it's like, you know, there's, there's days and there's triggers. And so I want to pivot a little to talk about why I believe we are such a shame-based society. What's like the root root of it underneath? What's the root core value, collective belief that we all share that's causing so much shame? What is it linked to in the human? What do you think I'm going to say? Because we talk about it all the time. Yeah, I think it comes back to sexual shame. I knew it. Thank you. <laughs> yes, this is my boy. It's all yeah. about sex, it's you guys. This is about sex. This is what it is. People are crazy. Yeah. Like, this is what I don't get. A baby is born in the hospital mothers, grandmas, everyone, pictures, Facebook, viral posts, this baby, this amazing baby, this life. Everyone comes to celebrate this life, this little newborn, pure little baby that, you know, is just like a blank slate and everyone's all just gawking over his beauty. But how the fuck did that baby get created? It's because (laughs) of a dick and a vagina, y'all. And we shame it. We shame sex to no end in this culture. I mean, it is like, it is why the Kardashians are famous. It is why porn has become like an addiction for all these young boys, people. And then people shame it more. They're like, oh, the Kardashians all, all about sex. Oh, porn all about sex. It's like, what do you expect when you have a society that is so sexually repressed where it's constantly told you're shameful for having natural human urges sex obviously it's going to create these extremities like the porn culture that we see now and all of these women who are hypersexual men that are addicted to sex and addicted to porn i mean that is the outcome of us just simply not facing that this is the core essence of um this is our this is our life force energy our sexual organs and and yes. it's it's so backwards to me the way you know if we catch kids playing with themselves which is totally normal it's going to be like oh don't touch your you know that's naughty sex is shit don't have sex when you're married blah blah and then talk about religion and everything that comes in with that it's it's almost as if we uphold the sexual morals of like of like mother teresa and buddha as if everyone in the world is mother teresa and buddha where it's like no i get it like sex is sacred maybe you should wait till marriage like may, like you should be very conscious about who you let in sexually and, and exchange that energy with but the reality is is we're not living in that uh, mother teresa plane where everyone is enlightened enough to even look at sex that way we are a bunch of animals we are a bunch of animals we're gonna have sex so i believe this is why so many children get molested is because these adults, well, A, many of them were molested. So it's just a repetition compulsion, but um, they're shamed sexually and they're repressed sexually. Um, and I love, I love your take on like the Jewish community too. And the sex, <laughs> we can, we can get into that, but it's like, I, I truly believe the way that we treat sex in our culture, the way it's so icky and, you know, avoided and, and shameful literally just creates more pedophiles. It creates more people who act out, who have weird sexual dysfunction, sexual fetishes, and it just keeps more and more people, more and more women and men getting sexually abused. So what do we do about it? Sure, that's a great point. And I appreciate you going going there because it is uh, a taboo. People don't like to talk about it. And um, and I get that, you know, but 
at the end of the day, you're right. Sex is, is a pivotal element of the family unit of who we are as human beings. If we don't at least have a conversation and make it comfortable for people to ask the questions so they can get the answers they need to develop a healthy sexual identity. You know, one of my most popular podcasts is Healing Sexual Wounds. Uh, and part of what I was aiming to do was enlighten people that just because you weren't molested, that doesn't mean you were not sexually abused. Yes. Just because you weren't touched. Yep. And this is one of the, I keys, it blew my mind and it's blowing so many different people's minds because they're like, I'm showing all the signs as if I was molested or I'm showing the signs if it's, it was sexual repression, but I don't have a, remem- a memory of this happening. And, and what I explained to them is, is the attitudes of the adult caregivers in your, uh, that you grew up with. How did they view sex? How did they, did you have the space to the privacy to develop a sexual identity? Did you have communications with the opposite sex or people who could help you feel comfortable about it? And the answer is usually hell no. no and my right. question is, well, how, do you, how is it possible that you're not sexually wounded? So uh, you yes, know, I think that it's so important. I love that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and so part of part of almost what I feel like I needed growing up, uh, which is ultimately what I'm trying to uh, instill in, in, in the world and, and influence people to to go towards is uh, is just is opening opening up towards your own sexual shame and realizing, you know what, maybe you don't like your body or maybe you feel like uh, maybe you don't like uh, uh, the way you or you have a fear of performance or anxiety or you feel like you're always being judged. You know what? Okay. Where do you think that energy goes if you're always judging yourself, if you're always shaming yourself, and then you have society right there to shame you again, and you have people around you to make you feel less than because of your insecurities? How are you supposed to have any emotional, mental, spiritual, and psychological health? The answer, to me, it doesn't even make sense to think that there would be, but yet we expect it. So uh, the first step, I think, is awareness. Um, I don't expect people to just pop up one day and start having conversations about the birds and the bees, but I do think that if we can start creating a culture where the questions start being asked then people who are having these fetishes and are fearful of their own personal drives can get the help they need to correct it and heal it uh, and, and really uh, be accepted for who they are. Yes. I love that. You know, I think that's great. I think that um, we need to get real about, and, and, I, and I love what you said about like, just because you weren't molested doesn't mean you weren't like sexually destroyed as a child, you know, because of the shaming and the, the lack of education and, and, and all the things that go into like, it, it, it manifests differently for everyone. That's what I tell people. Like you can actually like have a childhood in which you're sexually abused and be measured up against someone who wasn't sexually abused and had no overt abuse, but they actually had a way worse than you because of other covert abuses that went on in their home. So like, you know, that's why it's like, you can never compare traumas. You can never be like, Oh, my childhood was worse than your childhood. You don't know. You don't know like the, the, per- the perspective of that child, all children react differently. And um, wounds are wounds. I really do believe a lot of us share the same wounds. But the thing is, this mass pedophilia, like this is real. I I really do. I believe it is real. I believe it is very common. I believe there are many people like myself out there who have repressed it because it was so painful as a child. They don't know why they have these sexual dysfunctions, this shame. and I do believe that it would take a lot of maturity on our part to start to create safe spaces for pedophiles. And, I, and like that, I, I know I'll get a lot of flack for saying this, but it's like, think about it. Like uh, my parents, like they don't like have anywhere to like go to be like, okay, this is the guilt that I'm dealing with. How do I heal? You know, like it, they can't incriminate themselves. Like we, 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 
treat pedophiles. I mean, look at what happens in prison with pedophiles. A lot of them end up getting killed. This, and I get it. Like everyone's angry. Like you're hurting kids. That's the most evil, sinful thing you could do. But the reality is, these people are hurt. Okay. These reality. Right. The reality is, the people that are doing the, the that are the pedophiles that are doing these acts. I'm not condoning it. I'm not one of these people out here saying, "Oh, it's a sexual orientation." Fuck that shit. I'm just saying. I get it. It's an it's an inevitable byproduct of a society that has shamed sex for so long that has like destroyed the um beauty of our sexual organs and how um holy and spiritual that really can be so i would like to see a world one day where we can actually open up and create safe spaces for pedophiles to go talk about their urges maybe maybe there are some already i don't know but it seems to me like these people just stay in the shadows because think about it if you're starting to have thoughts about children like, where do you go? Like, what do you do? You know what I mean? There's no, like, it just, so then it just keeps you in a state of abusing children. If my parents at any point in time would have realized like what they were doing and been like, we need to stop, we need to get help. Could they have? Like, where could they have gone? No, there's nowhere to go. So they just keep doing it. And then I uh, endure more and more abuse year after year. So I do think that people, we're going to have to, as a culture, start to get really mature about um, treating these criminals and these people who do these things yeah. like other wounded human beings no question you can't shame and jail your society into health it's just not how it works you're just going to get uh, more people who are that? if they have if they have these urges then they'll just like you said they'll hide it because they know that, they, that they're going to get in trouble for for even bringing it up um so how could we do it i think you're spot on i think you're 100 right uh awareness you know make it less taboo make it make it more of uh we're going to talk, we're going to have a call, you know, whether it's in schools or whether it's just people uh, just understanding their own body, understanding their own urges. You know, mo- most of the education that even myself, that even I had was through pop culture and through magazines, through television. I mean, what the hell? That's, that's my education. That's not going to lead to a whole. And, and it, of course, that, that's not the healthiest place. And therefore, uh, it, it's going to take a society that, 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 op- that opens the doorway uh, and, and creates freedom. Uh, of of just just expressing it at least to oneself, so you can uh, you can start you know processing and dealing with the shame um, because otherwise I don't see this getting better. To me, it only seems to be getting worse. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's shame, y'all. <laughs> if you take one 100%. thing away from all of this, it is shame. <laughs> shame. Um, I, I do. I, I I feel for a lot of people. I think you know this is why a lot of women struggle to orgasm. Uh, I think it's why certain people manifest in like the way that like the route that I went where I was like hyper promiscuous, but some people who uh, have sexual shame or are even molested, they actually could go the opposite route where they don't ever have sex or maybe they, they get, uh, they gain weight. Like, you know, they, they get fat on purpose as like a, I mean, they don't know it's on purpose, but it's a subconscious like protective layer. Um, So it's just manifests differently for everyone. But yeah, I will say it is. It is sex. It is. It is. It's kind of that simple. I mean, I think that sex is really is is uh, is an energy. You know, it's it's a, it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a the way I see it is intimacy. It's creation. It's it's a powerful drive. We can't just we can't just ignore it and pretend like it's it's not going to affect all of us. And I think, Barrett, just to add to your defenses of of sexuality, you know, I think that part of my struggle was hiding your sexuality behind religion. I think many people mm. are, are casually doing that and, and they're thinking that they're actually kind of developing. Let's just, a- let's just pause and give a, <laughs> let's just pause and give a shout out to the Catholic church while we're at it. Just a shout out to the Catholic oh, no. church. Yes. Speaking of, yeah. You probably can list many. And you know, this is not to call out religion. I mean, I think that 
uh, I think that there are good things about it, but, right. but, um, but it's very easy to hide. I mean, I firsthand witness uh, of this happening. Uh, so you can't argue with me, <laughs> but, um, basically <laughs> I know I'm talking about, but basically, I mean, you have, you have these people who really, uh, they're hiding their shame and they're really creating a war of this battle of the sexes. And it just creates, uh, and under this guise of superiority or, or religious doctrines or, or I'm one with God. So I can't mm. be uh, intimate or it, it's just, and I, listen, I get it. Everyone has their, their rules and I'm not calling anyone out. This is kind of a little bit of an opinion mixed with, uh, some, some generality, uh, generalities of, of how I perceive it. Uh, at the end of the day, we are human beings, and unless we address our sexuality, unless we heal our sexual wounds, we're going to act out in in many different ways. And I believe it's a core cause of why there's so much mental illness today. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I do. And I do. I love what you said about religion. Like, look, I I'm I am not religious. That is a personal choice that I have made in my life. I never found connection at the church i found it off the beaten path other spirits from us plant medicines straight up <laughs> that's that's my religion like that is literally where i found god again was through plant medicines um but the thing is it's a lot of these religions while they can help people and if you are listening and you're religious and you're like no dude i really feel like my religion makes me a better person good for you you know that that is amazing i would never I, that's what i love about this country freedom of speech freedom of religion do you baby but here's the thing there's a lot of culty things which is like narcissism cult narcissism is the same in a lot of these religions and i'm curious your thoughts on this because i don't i have not studied uh the bible much um i don't know a ton about it um but i was recently talking to a friend of mine who's also very sexual, very sex positive, you know, has a, has a rich sex life and she's into all these different things and very educational. And she told me, she's like, Shay, well, you realize that the original Bible, Mary Magdalene, who's the whore, I think, like she's supposed to be like the whore, right? Like she's depicted as a whore. But they, they say that in the original Bible, the original story of Jesus was that Mary Magdalene was actually his partner and that she used sexual energy to heal people. I don't really know what that means. Like, what, what was she actually like physically having sex with people or was, but something to do with like the ability. And I've studied this a little bit now, the ability to alchemize sexual energy and, and, and transmute it and, and, you know, turn it into something else. Um, like for example, if you are, um, there's just a lot of things that we don't know about sex when you're having an orgasm. If you, in that moment, when you're in that energy, actually think about the things you want in life, actually manifest while in that energy. That's like a way powerful, more powerful manifestation. Yeah. It's like a, basically like a form of sure. prayer on steroids. So what is your thoughts on like the conspiracy theory about like they purposefully took Mary Magdalene and her powerful role as a, as a sexy woman out of the Bible to like, basically like, well, first of all, take the power out of like women because then, then God and Jesus became all like such a male figure. Um, take it out of women, but also get rid of this idea that like sex is really beautiful and sex is a, a natural part of um, healing. Sure. I'm not hundred percent familiar with the entire story, but from what I hear, my, my perceptions are like this is that sex, sexuality is a creative energy. It's not necessarily sexual mm. the way I see it. It's so, when you're the, the 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 highest frequency is love. It's 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 basically the way I see it is creation. And when you are making love, when you are uh, uh, creating a child, when you are creating art, when you're creating music, I see them as very similar energies, similar frequencies. So the way I see it is is that you know, 
sexual energy could be used for the good. It could be used for the bad. You can, you yes. can use sexual energy to seduce somebody and rob them of all their belongings. I mean, you really see yes. that in, in these narcissistic relationships. Sexuality is a big uh, uh, a proxy for manipulation and control and exploitation. Yes. So the way I see it is, is that sexual energy is something that needs to be uh, understood and ultimately uh, controlled and guided and in a, in a healthy way. Uh, in, in ultimately, like you said before, when it's molestation, it's guided in an unhealthy way. Right, it it's is, a dark it's energy. Intimate. It's fe- feeding off of the the children or fe- feeding Correct. off of their energy by like, um, that's, what, that's what they always say. They're like, you know, rape isn't about sex, it's about power. Yeah, I've heard molestation is also the same similar idea. Yeah. Um. But but then again, you know, I, I think actually, uh, uh, Oscar Wilde said that uh, everything in the world is about sex except for sex. Sex is about power. So uh, maybe there's wow. some truth there too. Yeah, I wow. thought that was a powerful statement. Um. But the way I see it is is that is that uh, again, I mean, sexual energy could be used to create to to impact to empower you to lead you to your goals in life to becoming a better entrepreneur using that energy to. Uh, to uh, evolve as a human and become more of who you were. So it's not it's not an act necessarily. It's mm. it's an energy. And when you're in a relationship with another person and you want to create, uh, there's intimacy and you want to create close connection. You create that love by expressing that energy towards each other, an energetic exchange. So yes. that's why it's 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 you know, narcissistic abuse. The way I see it is at the core of it really is sexual shame because you have these 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 adult children who aren't really adults, they haven't evolved, they haven't actually went through the stages of Eric Eric's development, they're not really adults, and they have these sexual urges, and they have no idea how to express it, and what it's doing is they end up sabotaging their relationships, sabotaging other people, sabotaging themselves, yeah. really without the ability to uh, manipulate these energies and use them in a healthy way. So that being said, um, the shame itself, until you understand the core of the shame, then you can't just, we, you know, we, we often say, oh, no more hate, or, you know, uh, or uh, even even recently, Black Lives Matter, and people want to feel, I think, at the core, understood. We want to be heard. Yes. We want to be felt. We want to let people know that we are in pain, and we want to uh, we want other people to understand our pain because it's a cry for help. And at the core of narcissism, narcissistic abuse is a deep cry saying, "I do not know how to deal with my big, intense, painful adult emotions in a healthy way, and therefore I'm destroying myself. I'm destroying people." People who are struggling this way may not even really want the results they're getting, but they simply don't have the skills. I'm not necessarily defending behaviors, but objectively speaking, this is how we can start to take back our world and create mental health. Wow. I love that. I love that so much. That's, we're going to end on that. I am, I am <laughs> so glad that you came on. Um, I cannot say enough good things about you. I mean, uh, Yitz has really helped me and supported me a lot. In my journey recovering from narcissistic abuse, I highly recommend that you go subscribe to his podcast, Narcissism Abuse Recovery. Uh, Narcissism, wait, say it again. I'm sorry. Narcissism Recovery Podcast. Narcissism Recovery Podcast. Um, I've only listened to it a million times. Can't say it. Um, (laughs) No worries. And um, I will link all of Yitz's uh, links in the show notes so that you can go follow him. Yitz, what else would you like to say anywhere, uh, anything that you want to plug people to get in contact yeah. with you and any final tidbits, keys, tips for healing that you could leave with the audience today? Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, thank you, Shay, for having me on your show. It's an yeah, honor to be here. I'm a huge fan of your work. Uh, you're, yeah. you're, a, you're an example of what it means to step into your power, be, a, be a, a beacon of light to those who are in hell and suffering from shame, from past abuse. So thank you for all that you do. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, of course. And if you guys want to reach out to me, I'm available for coaching. 
to help uh, heal from narcissistic abuse, really any form of childhood abuse and relationship abuse. Uh, my email to reach me is yitz at psychologicalhealingcenter.com. Send me an email uh, for a consultation, 15 minutes for free. Get on the phone with me uh, or email me. Let's chat about how I can help you out. And just so you know, I don't really care where you are, who you are, what you've been through. If I and Shay can overcome our living hell, I promise you, you can. You just have to want it. You have to go through the steps, face yourself, face the shame, face the pain, and heal. So thank you. Thank you guys for, uh, for listening. And thank you, Shay, again, for having me on. Yes, absolutely. He said it, ladies and gentlemen, you know, releasing this podcast. Thank you to everyone who's been tuning in. But it really, it really, that's a, it's a perfect example of facing your shame. I just laid it all out. I just wrote it all out. I, you know, I relived some of it, but I healed more things through the process that I didn't know still needed healing. And that is the key. You know, you, you have to face your shame when it comes up. The only way out is through. And I want to thank everyone who's been tuning in, supporting this podcast. Please share it with anyone you know who's struggling, who's got uh, something going on mentally, depression, anxiety. Anyone who could learn from this, please share with them the show. Go follow Yitz and tune into the next episode for more healing knowledge. Much love, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the Shea Robottom Show and for being part of the rigorous honesty movement, which will finally allow us to heal as a society. If you know of anyone who's interested in truth and healing, please share with them this show. And if you yourself have been through trauma, abuse, neglect, and are seeking help, I do offer subscription-based coaching around all things healing. Just visit shayrobottom.com slash heal tribe to sign up and join my healing community. Until next time, truth seekers, stay honest and have trust that it's safe to do so.